Jesus, this morning we're going to look at a very important subject, one that is dear to a number of people's hearts. It may cause offence, but Lord, please keep our hearts open. May we take the challenge to go to the Bible. And may Jesus, as we find in the Bible the truth on this subject, may we be touched by the gracious love that you have for each of us. Thank you, Jesus, I pray in your name. Amen. I don't often start a teaching. I don't often preach right at the beginning with such a definitive statement as I'm about to make. But today I want to make this statement and I want to build the case, the argument for what I'm going to say from the Bible. And here's the statement. And I believe this statement to be true. Listen to the statement. If you're watching this on television, don't turn off. If you're here in the church, stay with us. Because I think you'll find the Bible has some very powerful arguments to back up what I'm about to say. More damage, here it is, here's the statement, quote, more damage is done to the public's perceptions of God and Christianity through the teaching of the erroneous doctrine of eternal hellfire than by any other Christian doctrinal belief. I'm going to say that again, end quote. Here we go, quote, more damage is done to the public's perceptions of God and Christianity through the teaching of the erroneous doctrine of eternal hellfire than by any other Christian doctrine or belief, end quote. This idea that there is an eternal hellfire in store for those who do not love God, who never walk with Him, is causing more damage to the perception of the public when they're looking at Christ Jesus and the Christian church than any other doctrine. It is damaging us and the tragedy of this is the idea of an eternal hell is not in the Bible. You can search the Bible from Genesis 1 to Revelation chapter 22. You are, praise God not going to find this doctrine there. You know, the sun, I don't know whether you know much about the sun. The sun is a hundred times bigger than the earth. Wow. It's, it, 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 it's a big body. Did you know that the surface temperature of the sun is 6,000 degrees Celsius? That is hot. 6,000 degrees Celsius. And I don't know how they measure it, but apparently... If you were to go into the middle of the sun, listen to this, 20 million degrees Celsius. That is hot as hot. Now, now I found this on the internet, so I got, you gotta be careful about things you find on the internet. But they say if you were to take the size of a pinhead piece of sun, the size of a pen, pinhead, to take a piece of sun the size of a pinhead, and stand one mile away from it, that that piece of sun would still be hot enough to strike you down dead. Now that is very, very hot. And what is amazing is that many Christians claim that God has a place prepared 
which is similar to the sun in which he will place the wicked, where they will burn for eternity. Now, as I've already said, there is a problem with this doctrine, with this doctrine of eternal hell. And the problem is simply this, and I'll say it again. The doctrine of eternal hell, and I don't care what preacher, I don't care what church, I don't care what branch of Christianity preaches it or teaches it, it doesn't bother me that most of Christianity believes it. Because you know what? This doctrine of eternal hellfire for those who will not follow Jesus Christ just is not in the Bible. And this doctrine of eternal hellfire, which is thumped out from pulpits all around the world, is turning people off Jesus Christ. And so it should, because I want to tell you something. The doctrine of eternal hellfire does not belong to Jesus Christ. It belongs to the devil himself. Eternal hellfire is nothing more than what Satan would do to you if he was in charge of the planet. But he's not. God is in charge of the planet. And never in the Bible does he promise eternal hellfire. Let's look at the Bible. Genesis, Genesis chapter 3, verse 3. Here's creation. We need to look at this. Genesis chapter 3, verse 3. Lucifer is in the garden tempting Eve. He's in the form of a snake. True story, sad story. And he's talking to Eve and Eve is talking to him. She shouldn't have been. And the Bible says, as Eve is talking to the snake... And she's quoting God. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 3, as Eve talks, she says, But God did say, and she's talking to the snake, to the devil, You must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. God says very clearly in the Bible, If you sin, if you disobey me, you will die. You know the story, Eve ate the fruit, her husband ate the fruit, and you know what? We've been dying ever since. The question is, when you die... What happens? Well, the Bible is very clear on this. Now, I know this is going to challenge some of you in the church. And I have no doubt this is going to challenge some of you watching this on television. Fine. Let the Bible challenge you. It's a wonderful thing to be challenged by the Bible. The Bible's like a sword. It pierces into the heart. It feels good. Oh, sometimes it hurts. But we need to, as Christians... If we're going to preach what Jesus says, we need to go from the Bible and the Bible only. And the Bible, there is no clearer book in all the world on what happens to you after you die than the Bible. Now, now, if there is an eternal hellfire, if you refuse to follow God, if you turn your back on him, if there is an eternal hellfire that you're headed to, well, the Bible should say it. Well, let's have a look what the Bible does say about death. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 verse 5. I don't know that the Bible can be any clearer than it is here. For the living know that they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, and even the memory of them is forgotten. Forgotten. That's Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 5, and the Bible says the dead know nothing. My question is, my friends, could the Bible be any clearer? I don't think so. I have a five-year-old daughter. She's in kindergarten. She doesn't have a degree. She doesn't have a higher education. She she is at the beginning of her life. She can barely read. And yet when I read her that text and I've done it, she knows exactly what the Bible is saying. The Bible says, and it is consistent right through its pages. From Genesis 1 to Revelation 22, the Bible very clearly, the Bible very clearly tells us that the dead know nothing. I've just chosen one of the clearer texts. 
Ecclesiastes 9 verse 10. Listen to this. How clear can God be? Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the grave, this is after death, where you are going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom, neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. Now look, when I was a small boy of eight years of age, I pulled an iron accidentally down onto my arms. I got second degree burns on both arms. I have the scars to this day. The Bible says after death that I know nothing, there's no working, there's no planning, there's no knowledge, there's no wisdom. When I, when, when I got those second degree burns, you better believe it, I knew it. Every day I had to go to the hospital and get bandages. It was a terrible, painful experience. I knew all about it. Now, if you were to go to hell after you die, or through the grace of God you would go to heaven, which you don't do, surely you would feel it. You'd know about it. You'd be working, planning to get away from there. You'd have knowledge There'd be wisdom because you'd be saying, oh, I wish I hadn't have walked away from God and ended up in this place. You see, there is no eternal hell after death. Neither is there an eternal heaven. I, for the life of me, don't know where Christianity gets this story from because it's not here in the Bible. The Bible says very clearly that after you die... You go to sleep. If you love the Lord, then when he comes the second time, go and read for yourself 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 18. Again, the Bible couldn't be clearer. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout. This is the second coming with the voice of the archangel. And the Bible says the dead in Christ, those who love Jesus Christ, died loving him, will be raised up. And then they'll go to live with him in eternity. That's when eternal life comes. Never, not even then, does the Bible talk about an eternal hell. It just does not exist. There's no such place. There is no such punishment for anybody. And to be frank, if God was offering those who did not follow him, if God was offering them an eternal hell where he sizzles them in a place like the sun, I don't know whether I would follow him. This is not his nature. This is not his way. It is not in the Bible. John 3, 16, one of the most famous texts in all of Scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, will not perish, but gets eternal life. So I went to the dictionary, what's this word perish mean? It means to die or be destroyed through violence or privation. It means to pass away or disappear. It means to suffer destruction or ruin. That's what the Bible says. For God so loved the world that he gave his only one, gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not, it doesn't say shall not go to eternal fire, shall not go to eternal hell, shall not go to a place where they will sizzle for eternity, kept away in some, some, some macabre, dark, supernatural way by a God that's supposed to love us. It doesn't say that. It says, it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, should not die or be destroyed, shall not pass away or disappear, shall not suffer destruction or ruin, but have eternal life. I don't know how much clearer the Bible can be. Look at this. 
Malachi chapter 4 verse 1. This is the fate of the wicked. This is the fate of those who don't follow Jesus. And let's pray this is not your fate. I wouldn't want to see this happen to you. But even here, this is not eternal hellfire. This is not the God we serve. He would not do that to human beings, to people. He is not like that. He loves. Even when he's punishing, he loves. Not going to torture us for eternity. What nonsense is this that we've been teaching for so long in Christianity? Malachi chapter 4 verse 1. This is the fate of the wicked, sad as it is. Surely the day is coming. It will burn like a furnace. All the arrogant and every evildoer will be stubble. And that day that is coming will set them on fire, says the Lord God Almighty. Not Now look, look what the Bible says. Yes, look, the wicked are going to burn. But it will be an instantaneous thing. They'll not writhe for eternity. Because the Bible says here in Malachi 4 verse 1, not a root or a branch will be left of them. Nothing, as the Bible says, they will perish. Instantaneous destruction. And it's a sad thing they've got to perish, but sin can't go on. God does have to stop it. And if you choose not to follow God, there does come a time where your ways have to stop because they just end in violence. They just end in, in, in sadness. There's sickness, there's disease. Sin has got to stop. Look at this, verse 3, same passage. Talking about the righteous now and what will happen to them. Then you will, this is the righteous, righteous trample down the wicked. It's kind of sad but graphic. They will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day when I do these things, says the Lord God Almighty. They are not, they are not in an eternal hellfire. They are ashes, they are gone under our feet. They are no more. Even when the Bible talks about Satan, if anyone deserves to burn in a tent of hell, it's Satan. The Bible's very clear that that's not even what happens to Satan. Look at this, Ezekiel 28, verse 18. By your many sins and dishonest trade, you have desecrated your sanctuaries. Talking about Satan. So God says, I made a fire come out from you and it consumed you. The Bible says, and I reduced you to ashes on the ground in the sight of all who were watching. All the nations, verse 19 of Ezekiel 28, all the nations who knew you are appalled at you. You you have come to a horrible end. And look what the Bible says. Can it be any clearer and will be no more? There is no eternal hell for the wicked, not even for Satan himself. And just to cap what I'm saying to you, This morning off, I want you to look at Jude. Jude, who was Jesus' brother. Jude, who never followed Jesus until he saw the resurrection. He was convicted and he became a leader in the church of God. This is what Jude has to say. Jude chapter 1. There's only one chapter in Jude, verse 7. It's a little book just before the book of Revelation. In a similar way, Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding towns gave themselves up. These are ancient towns just after the flood. Jude says, in a similar way, these these towns gave themselves up to sexual immorality and perversion. They were wicked. They were wandering from God. They wanted nothing to do with the high God of heaven. Now look at this. They serve as an example of those who suffer the punishment of eternal fire. Is that eternal hell? Well, go to the ancient sites of Sodom and Gomorrah. See what they're suffering. There's nothing there but ashes. 
Yes, it's true, God did send a fire down. He did destroy those towns. But the eternal fire is eternal separation from life. Is eternal separation from God. Just like God said it would be in the Garden of Eden. He said, if you sin, you will die. Praise God. We've got a saviour in Jesus Christ. And all you've got to do is get on your knees and ask him into your heart. And you can be saved even from this merciful end. Now, there's a little twist here, and I just want to finish with this. Look at this very carefully. We're talking about hell. We're talking about heaven this morning. The fact the Bible says there is no eternal hell. There is an eternal heaven. But it'll only start when Jesus comes a second time. But look at this. This is a little twist. Isaiah 48, verse 22. There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. Isaiah 57, 21, same thing. There is no peace, says my God. For the wicked. I look at the lives of many people, public figures in Australia, in the world. I look at Owen Wilson, a very famous movie star. He has everything. Money, houses, pleasure, women. The world has thrown everything at him. But he does not have Jesus Christ. And it seems to me... That Owen Wilson, with everything that he has, is living in hell. If you do not have Jesus in your heart this morning, then you have begun. You may not even realize it. You may have a good job. You may be successful. But if you have not got Jesus in your heart, if you do not have the peace that only Jesus can give you, then you will be thirsty, you will be hungry, and you will be searching in the world for those things that only Jesus can give you. And you can be at the height of success. You can be world famous. But without Jesus Christ, hear me, you are living in hell. You are hurt. You are in pain. You are twisted up inside. And you are living in hell. And I see it. People going through divorces. People with more money than they can ever spend in a lifetime. But their unhappiness, the tragedy of their lives. And I've seen people grow old. They've been successful in this world. And they die bitter, twisted people because they have been in hell all their lives and they have never been able to get out of it. Owen Wilson, who has everything, tries to commit suicide. Why? Because he's trying to escape the hell of his existence. And yet we look at him and we say he's rich, he's famous, he's got everything at his feet, he can do whatever he wants. He is living in hell because he's without Jesus. But look at this, and I'm going to close. Jesus said, Matthew 3, verse 10, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He doesn't say the kingdom of heaven comes at the second coming. He says it's at hand. Matthew 4, 17, From that time Jesus began to preach and to say, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Matthew 10, verse 7, same thing. And as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is how it works. You invite Jesus into your heart. Despite the troubles, despite the trials, despite the tragedies, and you're going to keep having them, you're going to keep having them, they won't disappear, but you invite Jesus into your heart. When he comes into your life and he gives you the peace that only he can give, you start to live in heaven right now. It doesn't mean everything's going to be hunky-dory, that everything's going to work out just fine, because it doesn't on this planet. But it means as you face the trials, the tragedies, the darkness of this earth, that you face them with Jesus. 
And when you've got Jesus by your side, when you've got Jesus in your heart, when you've got Jesus in your mind, when you've got Jesus in your bedroom at night, when you go to sleep, when he's there, when you wake up, when he goes to work with you, when he's in the car, you are in heaven. Because you have peace. You can't buy that. And Owen Wilson is proof of that. You are at peace and you are in heaven because you have Jesus. And you know what Australians need today? They need Jesus. Oh yeah, we're a successful country. We're a rich country. There's more jobs and there's more money flying around this country than ever before. But perhaps there's less Jesus. And that's why our society and our culture is so hurt. It's in so much pain. Oh yeah, Jesus loves you. There is no such thing as eternal hell. But many of us are living in it right now, today. Jesus invites you to give your heart to him. To experience peace that only he can give. And he invites you this morning. Will you let him in? Will you live with him? Will you move from hell to heaven today? It's your choice. Let's pray. Jesus, you are a good God. You offer us so much. It's not riches. It's not fame. It's you and how we need you. We're hungry. We're thirsty. We're hurt. We're in pain and we're twisted up inside. Jesus, come inside us. Save us, we pray. Save this church. Save those watching this on television. Save our city. Save our country, we pray, Jesus. In your name, give us peace. Amen. I am so blessed, for my home is full of happiness. I feel God's love in each word, each touch, and each caress. A little child sits on my knee, turns around and kisses me. I am so blessed. I am so blessed When I was young I chased after my dreams And I thought for a while I could catch them But God said no Where I lead you will go And ever since then my dreams have all come true I am so blessed For my home is full of happiness I feel God's love In each word and touch and each caress My family surrounds me And I know their love is free I am so blessed, I am so blessed. God understands all our dreams and our plans, but His will may turn out to be different. So when He pleads, just go wherever He leads. And you will be blessed beyond your wildest dreams.
God's love. In each word, each touch, and each caress, you'll find that you'll be free. If you follow faithfully, you will be blessed. You will be blessed. 